Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had four kids in four years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes they think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope we can give you something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello and welcome to episode 22. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of, have you guys listened to the Trolls um, soundtrack? The Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. And they say hello in it. That's like my favorite part of the whole movie. (laughs) You just reminded yourself of a movie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we listen to that soundtrack all the time. It's that one and Moana right now, so... When we're ever in the car, it's either Trolls or Moana. All the time. I love how Nathan says it, too. He calls it Wana. <laughs> I'm going to listen to Wana. <laughs> All right. Our real-life parenting moment is something we've started doing as our family. We do it um, in the morning before the kids leave and at night before they go to bed. This is something I learned um, when I was on my mission for my church. Uh, and I thought it was super cheesy when he told me about it the first time. <laughs> No offense. <laughs> she thinks all things good and wholesome are cheesy. No, I'm, and you kind of have to know where Alan came from. Like he no, he used to sing songs in um, on road trips and stuff with his family, and, <laughs> and I thought they were kind of cheesy, but they were good memories for him. So <laughs> this this kind of slides in on the cheesiness. So somebody I met on my mission, their family would do this. And so they would all, um, they would do after family prayer. So everybody's kneeling in a circle and they would all (laughs) link pinkies and they would swing their arms back and forth and say, best friends, best friends, best, best friends. The people in my family are my very best friends. (laughs) And we're, we're always trying to figure something out to get the kids to come to prayers and sort of participate. And so I just tried that one night and they... Loved it. And now they beg for it. We do it like two or three times after prayers in the morning and at night. And the best part about it is Jackie, you know, he's old enough to walk and he kind of knows what's going on. And so he will start in the circle, but about halfway through, he just can't take it anymore. And so he'll just sprint across the circle and hug somebody and then just keep hugging them until we're done. And then everybody else comes in and gives him a, you know, we just do a group hug. It's so cute. It's really cute. <laughs> and all the kids want Jack to come hug them. So yes. that's why we have to do it two or three times because they right. want to give Jack gotta make sure a Jack chance hugs yeah, to hug them. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And it's it is cute. cheesy, but. But it's cute. I like Cheese it. keeps families together. Cheese. I like that. Yep. <laughs> We're in Wisconsin. Love our cheese. Oh, that makes sense. So we had lots of really good feedback from our last um, podcast episode, which was about sharing bedrooms. Um, having your kids sharing rooms. So we picked a couple of them. Um, there was a lot of answers, which we thought were so awesome. So keep those keep those coming. Keep you know um, posting social media the answers to our questions, and um, we will share a few of them. So the first one was by, and I apologize in advance, Kui Povia. She says, my girls share rooms. We asked if they wanted their own, and they said no. We had the same experience with our kids. Then Design Inside says that they have boy-girl twins, and they shared a room until they were three, but unfortunately the bedroom wasn't big enough to support two big kid beds. 
Mm-hmm. So they don't share anymore. Yeah. And we totally hear that because some of these rooms are not made for two beds. Our workaround, because we have to right now, um, and the kids love it, is bunk beds. So mm-hmm. our girls are in bunk beds because their room would be pretty tight with two big kid beds in it. So uh, bunk beds was the solution for us. Yeah. But um, Crazy Beautiful Life said, I shared growing up and our kids share. I think when they're younger, there's a comfort in sharing since we only have one boy. He has his own room, and we frequently find him passed out on the floor in the girls' room. I love that. He doesn't want to be the only one left out, so he sneaks in there <laughs> with the girls. That's cute. It's awesome. And then Jesse G. Price said, I want my kiddos to share a room. I'm so nervous to start, seven months old and two years old, because I don't want the seven-month-old to wake up the two-year-old. Any tips to help make the transition? And so, um, Just do it. Yeah, we totally hear that. It's hard to put a baby in with a toddler, especially if that baby is still waking up. So for us, we waited until um, our the youngest one was sleeping through the night. Um, and then you could also try like a white noise in the back in case the baby does wake up so that your toddler doesn't wake up. Um, but really, I think they, they will probably tune each other out. That's what we mm-hmm. found with our own kids is that they learn just to ignore the noises of the other kid and they'll probably sleep right through it. It might take like a week or two, but I think... I think yeah. they'll get it. There's so many things in my our experience that are really terrible, but like nothing's really terrible for more than a week. You know, like when you wean your kid off a pacifier or, you know, any of those big steps that you just like put off and put off and put off. As long as you don't do it too early, you know, then and the kids are ready for it. And I think you have a pretty good sense of like this is me holding back or this is them not being ready. If it's just you holding back, just try it and generally within a few days they figured it out, and, and life's great for everybody. I remember we were really, really worried, and then it was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we were doing that for so long. We have our closet back. We can <laughs> be like normal people with our own room. It was beautiful. That was really nice. So our topic for today, what's causing your family stress? Now, I'm sure you're dying to know. This comes from um, an article that I found And it was a team of archaeologists, anthropologists, and social scientists. They did a study. And it was only 32 middle-class dual-income families in Los Angeles. So I think this is kind of a very limited... Sample size? That's the word. Limited sample size. There's only 32 families. And they're dual-income families in L.A. And And so... What in the poop do archaeologists know about real people? (laughs) Nothing. So... I I thought what they came up with was good stuff, though. So, you know, take this how you want. But they're showing that one of the biggest problems that's causing family stresses is just the things that we're buying and what we're doing in our homes. So we thought we would talk about um, there's five things, and then um, we'll kind of talk about the things that can resolve those things, or more, a more of a minimalist lifestyle. Now, we are not hardcore minimalists. I know that there's people out there who preach that but we're minimalists (laughs) i like that that's nice not too much not too little yeah so the very first thing they talk about is that um they found in these families homes that they have mountains of clutter and so um you know mess causes stress and i don't know about you but when i see my kids toys all over the living room it just kind of i get really stressed and so i'm like okay it's time to do cleanup time and i make all the kids put the stuff away and no put you tell the kids to put stuff away, and then we do. Oh, that's true. We're still working on that. <laughs> Work in progress. Yeah. They're, they're not great at putting their toys away, so we have to help them a lot. But um, And 
we're hoping in our new house that we're going to try to keep the toys downstairs. There were that's where the bedrooms are. That's where the play area is. So yes. hopefully that'll help with the craziness. Yes. Um, and also they said that only 25% of garages could be used to actually put their cars in it because there was, they were so packed with stuff. So they just couldn't fit the cars. And um, we've seen that in our neighborhoods. Actually, the townhomes that we live in, I'm surprised how many of the cars are outside because there's just yeah. not room in the garage. Yep. Yeah. We would never do that. We're thrower awayers to an extreme. But mm-hmm. the second one was buying in bulk. And this is a hard one because we are big buyers in bulk. We love Costco, um, but partially because we need it at this point. Um, yeah, and it just, it just saves stuff. so much money if you buy in bulk. But I do think you can go crazy with this, right? And that's their point. Again, like you can have mountains of whatever it is, you know, dried mangoes from Costco. Toilet paper and paper towels. Yeah. And And if you just don't have the space, then maybe that's not the thing for you. If it's causing you stress, I think that's probably the thermometer is. If it's stressing you out that you have all that stuff, then maybe you don't have the right home or apartment to, to do that. And, you know, you just have to man up and not save those few pennies per unit for your sanity's sake. But for us, every bathroom cabinet is chock full of stuff. And like we just use our space every inch of it, but we're able to put it all away. And so it's not stressful to us. Yeah, everything has a place. And that's I think that's one of the big things um, from this that I found is that if you have a place for everything, it feels more organized rather than piles here and there or things falling out of closets. If they have a spot to put your stuff in, then there's less chaos. They also said that half of the families have an extra fridge in their garage, and we are also guilty of this. We purchased a fridge this last year. But again, that's because we um, we do buy in bulk, and we do eat all the food that we buy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. that one, Take that one, you know, as whatever works best for your family. But like Alan said, if, if you find that there's extra stuff around that eventually you're going to use, but if it's causing you stress, then maybe don't buy it yet. So number three is that there's just too many toys. So they said that each child increases a family's possessions by 30%. So every kid that you have, you're going to increase your stuff by 30%. So, I mean, that that adds up really fast. Like after you have a baby, you don't realize how much stuff that you have, that you need to take care of this baby. (laughs) Now we do. I mean, you need cribs, you need a pack and play, you have bouncers and toys. There's just... A lot of stuff that comes with a baby. And then, you know, as you have more kids, you don't need to buy all that new stuff again. But all kids have new toys and clothes as they grow, bikes and, and stuff. So you just have to be careful about how much, how many toys you buy your kids. Yep. I really like, um, I've heard where people rotate their kids' toys. And I think we've talked about that. Have we? Yeah. Um, if you don't remember that, some people rotate their kids' toys um, so that way they... Um, things feel new. So they just put some things in a tub, put it up on a shelf, and then when they get bored of what they have, you put that in a tub and get the other tub out. Genius. No, you don't have to buy new toys. You're just reusing your old toys. But this isn't the solution part. This is the problem part. Oh, yeah. So hold your horses. <laughs> The fourth problem was that these people were stuck to the sofa. Nearly three-quarters of the parents and about half of the children spent no leisure time in their backyards over the course of the study. Now, this is in California, too, so they have that option. No excuses. <laughs> They're beautiful weather. We live in Wisconsin. Well, that's not always an option for us. We have only four or five months out of the year where we can go in our backyards. Well, unless you want to go out in the snow, which I don't, but 
some people do. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's that was regardless of how much fun stuff they had outside. So it's not that they didn't have anything to do. It was just so much easier to sit on a couch. They said they spent their time watching television or engaging with digital devices like smartphones inside, and that was the most frequent leisure activity, consuming about 70% of their leisure time. Families say they feel overscheduled, yet are very sedentary at home. So that's kind of the like secret irony that I think we all have. We all feel so busy, but then when we do have free time, because we all, you know, like very few of us are working hard until the minute we go to bed. And so you're doing something. So it's just, what are you doing? You know, are you doing a side hustle? Are you playing outside? Or more likely you're Netflixing it up, which isn't bad. We do that. It's just they found that it caused these people stress. So complain to the archaeologists. <laughs> you definitely need your calm down leisure time. But I think we just do that too much. And it's, know? yeah, there's better way to leisure. Mm-hmm. And I think we all would rather do those other things. It just takes a little bit of oomph to get it going and then. You're glad that you're out roasting s'mores or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just easy to pull out our phones or turn on the TV. Too easy. So number five is fragmented dinner time. And we've talked about the importance of eating dinner together as a family um, back in episode 14. If you want to go back and listen to that one. Um, But they said just 17% of dinners were eaten together as a family, um, which isn't very many. And that a lot of the families relied on convenience food or frozen meals or, you know, pre-baked foods, you know, fast food, stuff like that. Why do you think America's obese? Oh, wait. That's why. Fast food? (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of fast food. Number six, the leisure master suite. So what they were finding is that when people had extra money and were um, redoing a part of their house, that they were putting all the money into a master bedroom, like making their master bedroom amazing, instead of like upgrading a kitchen where the kitchen was small and needed to be bigger, they would spend their money on like their own bedroom instead. LA snobs. And so it just doesn't it doesn't provide a space for the family. It was providing space for the parents. Yeah. Selfish. So. <laughs> That was fun and dismal. Thanks, archaeologists. <laughs> How do we fix that? So this is a separate article called How Do We Live More Minimalists? Again, we're not hardcore, but I think there's still some good takeaways that you can learn from the hardcore. Um, so the first one was less multitasking. Consider the idea that you may still be just as happy as you are today, more likely happier if you got rid of th- 50% of your household possessions and deleted 40% of your activities on your calendar. Just think about that. That is not my question. That's their question. And that's a lot. Like, get rid of 50% of your things. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that we're we're going to start thinking about. Our now that our kids are getting older. And, um, you know, I would like them to do piano lessons. And I would like them to do sports. And we have church activities. Like, the activities are going to start piling up. And so, I think you kind of have to pick and choose uh, what you're going to be doing. You know, what's going to take your time? How are you going to spend your afternoons? Um, Are you going to be running around? Are you going to be spending time at home? You know. I'm currently reading a book called How Will I Measure My Life by Clay Christensen. And I think we're going to do a separate podcast or podcasts about it, so I won't give it all away here. But he talks about how busy families are because it used to be that kids, you know, like helped around the house. You needed them to get things done. But now you don't, and we've replaced all that extra time that we have for our kids with these activities. 
and he said it's really easy to compare like the you know how many activities is your kid in and and so a lot of families focus on that instead of like what's the goal why why are you putting them in these things cuz there's good things they can learn from those things but are you remembering that cuz if you have the goal in mind then you'll be more wise with what you're putting them in. You know, like if the goal is to help them find a passion or to be creative or to learn hard work or how to learn to not quit or how to lose or, you know, if there's a bunch of lessons, if you focus on those, then you'll not need to sign them up for everything. You know, like maybe they can learn that just from swimming or maybe they can learn that just from dance. They don't need to be in dance and swimming and Chinese or whatever. (laughs) Chinese. Yeah, it's happening. Very limited across nope. the country. <laughs> nope. Four in five students are taking Chinese lessons on the side. That is not true. Fake news. <laughs> I made that up. So number two, um, another way we can reduce stress as a family is to just have better mental health. <laughs> the way to be less stressed is be less stressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's things you could do. You Bring in the insights today, people. Make sure that you're sleeping more. You know, take that time for yourself, schedule less like we talked about in the last one, and lower your expectations a little bit. You know, you don't need to be the perfect parent. Your kid doesn't need to be in every sport, and they don't need to be the best baseball player in the world. Like, the secret to a happy life is low expectations. This is something that Alan's family preaches. It's just truth. <laughs> don't hate. Third is better finances. Um, this is something, again, we've talked about, but um, what they focused on is that you need to get rid of toys and don't buy more, right? There's there's so much stuff we have, and so after you you know throw away half of what you own, don't go and buy it again. Don't be like, man, that's I have this hole in my house now that needs to be filled. Don't fill it again. I also think it's important that you get out of debt. I think that causes a lot of um, family stress also is when you have this constant debt, you know, hanging over yeah. you. And, you know, a lot of those things, it's going to take a while with um, if you have credit cards that have piled up or student loans or car payments, you know, and there's a lot of things that we need or have acquired over time. And so um, I think really attacking your debt and be working on it if you have that um, is something that can help lower stress. So satisfying to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. And the fourth and final thing they talked about was more time for what matters. So it really, I think the best thing I've gotten from all this minimalist sentiment that's going around is just like be more conscious of what you own, of what you do, of how you spend your time. It's all limited resources, right? And so often we just fall in a routine and don't really consciously think about those things. But their point was like get rid of stuff both the physical, but also like the things you do, right? Like, are there things that you feel like you have to have in your life? Is there that show you have to watch or is there that activity you have to do that you could get rid of and still have a happy, fulfilling life? As you do that, I think you'll find that the things you do, you'll enjoy more. And Alexis actually just did this. She is one, obviously, since we have a podcast and she has a blog and she has a business and blah, blah, blah. You know, like (laughs) she just can't stop herself. I'm a true entrepreneur. I heard someone say that on a podcast. She's like that they have like multiple projects going in once and that is totally me. Yes. But to her credit, Alexis just more or less quit her blog and it was something that she liked and was good at, but there's just too much on her plate. And at some point, all these fun things you wanted to do 
stop becoming fun. And so she, she cut one, which I really respect. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Now we're going to focus. I'd like to focus more on our business and, you know, this podcast is really fun. Um, the other blog was just taking up too much time. There's a lot of work that goes into it for a very little return and it just wasn't bringing me joy anymore. And so I think that's also something you need to look at is, you know, of the things you're doing, what, what is making you happy and what it just isn't anymore. You know, it's okay to cut things out. I've also um, just finished reading the Magnolia story about Chip and Joanna Gaines. As has the rest of America. <laughs> I know. I was a little behind, but I finally read it. Um, but I really like that she talked about in, like, the th- I think it was the third house that they flipped and were living in, that she made a, a conscious effort to have um, a space for her kids to be creative. Um and so she created a spot for them to be able to, to do art and be messy and have all their supplies and stuff like that. And I think when you have something like that for your kids, a place for them, you know, I think that really helps with your home and with time that you're able to spend with your kids because now they're not trying to find a place where they fit in as they have a spot, you know. And so I just right. think it just makes the home come together more. Right. Even if it's a small spot, like yeah. in some of the houses they do, it's just a part of a room, mm-hmm. but they need a place where... A kid can just be a kid, to steal a famous slogan. You, <laughs> you just need, they need that space. And so um, it definitely makes a difference if kids have a designated area. Mm-hmm. So to wrap up, we went through the dark and dismal. There's a lot of things that are causing people stress, whether it's clutter or buying too, you know, in bulk and you have these piles of stuff that you may or may not get through. You have too many toys. We're spending too much time not really valuing our leisure time. We're just on our phones or whatever. And even though that feels great and lazy, it's not satisfying. It doesn't like fill that need to do something fun on the side. Being on your phone isn't fun. It's just easy. Um, People aren't spending dinner time together. They're focusing on their their private spaces instead of their public spaces. And all of those things are causing stress. And so the solutions are less multitasking. Try and get rid of some of the physical and you know, calendar things in your life. Um, and then enjoy the things that you do more. Focus on better mental health. Get the sleep you need. Take time for yourself and not like on your phone to yourself go do a spa day or go you know start a new hobby or something schedule less which is the opposite of starting a new hobby um (laughs) and then just have lower expectations that doesn't mean you need to like never take a shower but um just be realistic with yourself get your finances in order um again we have two episodes on that and then make time for what matters the most what what's really going to make the difference at the end of the day. And I think it's so easy to fill it with all those activities. So remember time together as a family, um, doing those things that you're going to care about, you know, in 50 years from now, focus your time on those things. So then our social media question for this week is what are you doing to manage the stress in your family? Um, are you cutting out things? Are you doing family time? Are you making sure you're getting more sleep, that your kids are getting more sleep. What is it that you're doing to help with family stress? Yep. Or what's one thing that we talked about or something that you thought of while we were talking that you're going to do? If you haven't done something already, what's something you want to do? Loved your comments last time. Keep them coming. 
And so um, you can find that social media question on Instagram at P-I-R-L podcast. You can also um, tweet at us at Alexis Tanner one. I'm at Alan T. Tanner, where you can check us out at the only barely online learn as we go.org. Um, <laughs> it's there. I'm leaving it there. It's just not going to be very active, but also put our podcast on there. So if you prefer to listen that way, um, still be there. The website's there. <laughs> yep. Or you can email us at parenting in real life podcast at gmail.com or find us on Patreon. If you'd like to donate and help contribute to what we're doing, www.patreon.com slash P I R L. And um, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And thank you to those who shared our last podcast. We asked you to share that last one with somebody, uh, a parent that you know. And we'd make that same challenge again. We really are trying to grow the number of people that are listening to this podcast. So if you think there's somebody that might like listening to podcasts and might benefit from um, hearing what we talk about, please share it with them. And as always, a special thanks to our four kids for being kids. I edit these things. This is all coming out.